Tonight we labeled the service uh, from the heart of Pastor Tony just because I had a lot of things that, that, that are just on my heart. And, um, and so this isn't necessarily going to be an expository uh, message or anything like that. But just my opportunity on a sunny night to talk to my church family, uh, to love on you guys and, the, and to know where I'm at with things. Um, I know the Bible says a lot about the last days that we live in. And guys, I know that that is true. Uh, God has given me a number of opportunities to, to connect with people that I normally would not connect with and, and to meet with pastors. And uh, there's just different things that the Lord has done. We were asked to host a pastor's conference at Fellowship Baptist Church that's going to be in May of 2017. It's being done by another uh, church called, it's something that we did before, the Idea Day. And uh, they'll come in and set it up. It'll be on a Tuesday night or a Tuesday afternoon and things. And, and just pastors and churches will come all the way around. And the Lord keeps opening doors like that. But the more that I meet pastors and minister and talk and we share and things like that, the more that I know uh, these things are true. Turning your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 2. Uh, I've been doing this thing on Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy on Wednesday nights, and I go back and forth, and I've been digging into Second Timothy a little bit and getting some of those things, and these things really stir me up, and they speak to my heart, and I know that these things are real, and uh, unlike churches 30, 40, 50, 80 years ago, I think we're dealing with things that they didn't even deal with back then. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant, in season, and out of season. That means and, and I know you guys know in verse 3, it gets into talking about in the last days uh, what's going to happen. So even verse 2, it means even more when he says being instant, in season, not a season. Preach the truth when it's popular and preach the truth when it's not. Preach the truth when it's accepted and preach the truth when it's not. Not exception, even though times change, the gospel will never change. Be instant, in season and out of season. And then it stops and it says, let me put it like this, you need to reprove, you need to rebuke, you need to exhort, and this is how you do it, with long-suffering and doctrine. Have love and patience for people, and at the same time, give them rock-solid truth. Give them the Word of God. And this is why, because in verse 3, for the time will come, well, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They, they will have a desire to go and hear things that make them feel good or adapt to their lifestyle, adapt to their ways as opposed to hearing the truth that convicts them and makes them think that they need to change. So what do we do? We preach the word. We use the Bible. We break down passages. We teach through Sunday school, Wednesday night, the different things that we do. We do this as much as possible. And the reason being that I believe that even this was on his heart, go back one chapter again. Go back to chapter in verse 1 because he said this also know a combination thing about last days he said this also know that in the last days perilous difficult times shall come I've used this I've preached this I've taught this a number of times difficult times will come let me put it like this if I was to make application he was saying difficult times will come for you to be a pastor difficult times are going to come to raise kids Difficult times are going to come to take a stand even in a nation that, like he was just sharing, that Christianity is no longer the leading you know, truth in America. It's no longer leading anywhere. 
Why is that, church? Why? Where did we go wrong? Because you're going to say, well, can't be the Bible's fault because the Bible never lost its power. It can't be the Holy Spirit's fault because the Holy Spirit never lost its power. It can't be a lack of promises because he promised that he'd be with us to the end. So where did we lose it? Where did we lose it? You say, we, yeah, we, what, America, the church, preachers, those that had the truth. Where did we go wrong along society where we got off track, where we were no longer doing these things? No longer leading. And difficult times are going to come. We raise our children in a difficult, messed up world where sin and temptation are around them and pushed on them every single day. We live in difficult times because people are working two and three jobs, have a difficult time even getting home to visit and see their own kids and their families. They are rushed all the time. Life is expensive. And and I'm, I'm not worried because the thing is I know that God has a plan. Now I'm going to show you another passage that I believe that was talking about the end times and that the Bible is saying about the church and end times and preaching and truth and the importance of these things and all that. So I'm going to do a quiz. I don't normally ask the audience for any participation when I preach on Sunday night. I've never done that. So I'm going to ask you guys. I want somebody to yell out to me the passage in the Bible that tells us to go to church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You guys are good. Where is that found? Oh, it's Richard. (laughs) You ruined it, Josh. Where is that found? Man, you guys are awesome. That can only come from having an awesome pastor. That's the only way you guys can be that smart. That is just incredible. Hebrews 10.23. Now we know this verse. We preach this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out at you guys because I want you to not just quote part of the verse. The Bible says you interpret Scripture in light of all that the Bible teaches. Not to just zone in on one part. Because, man, we could, we could beat that with a drum and say, you better come to church and sit there. And, you know, okay, I'll never miss coming to church. But then we ask the question of why... Should I come to church? So let's back up. Hebrews 10.23. Now I want, if you mark in your Bible, I want you to circle some words. Okay? Because you know the one phrase very well. Actually, when I said it, everybody knows verse 25. We're going to jump back to verse 23. The first word to circle is the word let, or not let, but us. Circle the word us. Let us. I'm gonna, I'm, I, want, I want to point out something. All right. Let us. This is, we're a group thing right here. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us as a church, not me as a pastor, but let us as a church hold firm, hold solid to the things that we know. So I'm telling you, it might be my job to preach, teach, exhort with all suffering and doctrine, but it's your job to hold fast to the things that God has said in his word. It's not just my job to stand, it's all of our job is to stand. In the last days, stand. When perilous times come, is reading, uh, reaching your kids and leading, stand. Know these things without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. God will stand with the church till the very end. God never said that he'd walk out. He never said that the gospel would be watered down or that we would ever get to the point where we preach, teach, lead without the power of God. It's not going to happen. 
For he is faithful. That promise. There we go again. Let us. There it is. Circle it again. And then the word consider follows that with one another. I want you guys to see that we, we keep pulling back that this is, this is the church that is doing these things to provoke unto love and the good works. And then it pauses for a minute. And the word consider means to take notice of one another, to provoke, to push each other. You guys know these things. And then it comes to this colon and says, explains this in verse 25. This is how we do this. This is how the let us and all these things to provoking unto love and the good works, all of that comes from. And none of those things can be accomplished of us doing these things, us collectively, if we're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You provoke, you take notice, you care and love and all these good works that the Bible says that we're, that's coming from as the manner of some is. But notice it stops and it says, but Why? And it goes on to say, but exhorting one another. Don't forsake, but this is what I want you to do, to exhort one another. Now, let me put it like this. The one another is the people that are sitting next to you right now. That's the one another. All right, a lot of people have the idea that the spiritual edification or the moving and all these things that the Bible didn't say, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together because the pastor's going to have something good. Is, is the pastor supposed to preach? Actually, I just read those verses. Absolutely. Come together to preach. But also the Bible says, here's the reason you come together. For the word exhorting. One another. Exhorting means to call near. To invite. To invoke. To beseech. To be, a good, uh, to be of good comfort. To desire of one another and to pray. It means we assemble together to bear each other's burdens. We assemble together to pray for one another. We assemble together to edify. To lean on. To encourage. To take care of one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more as you see things getting tough. So much the more as it gets harder to be a parent. So much the more as you see these things happening around us. There's a main reason for coming together. It was to consider, to take notice, to provoke, to love and good works, and to exhorting, to call near, to pray, to invite, to encourage one another. I am not saying that we do not gather to preach, teach, and worship. Because I can promise you, actually, I just showed you from Scripture. We come together for those things as well. But I'm saying in addition to coming together, God said to come together. Actually, he didn't just say, he commanded to come together to accomplish these things. I'm saying this, that there is a biblical reason for why we should do what we do when it comes to edifying of the saints. Not saying that it's wrong to ignore the other things that we do. Simply put, we need each other. As times get tough, we need the church. We need support. We need love. We need encouragement. Being totally honest, and this is where I'm just being transparent and showing my heart, I get really frustrated as a pastor when people say things, and I'm almost going to sound like a broken record when I get into this, but I, I hear it so much that I'm almost grieved. I'm just being honest. I'm, I hear it so much that it tears me down inside. It's, it's one of the biggest discouragements, one of the biggest discouragements I have as a pastor. When people make the comments saying that people are not being cared for. It's easy to say, but not so easy to do. Can I say that as a church? It's easy to say. Anybody from any chair or any spot in this church can raise their hand and say, I don't feel like people are being cared for. And that doesn't fix the problem. Can I say stating that truth does not fix the problem? And I look at that and I say, there's got to be a way for the church to grow. 
And God still care for the church. And that God's people, the letting us still care for the church, there's got to be a way. Because it can't be. And I've heard different things, and I've heard other church planners and things. When a church starts off, this is what happens, guys. When a church starts off, there is an intimate group of people that grow, that step out in faith, and experience things together as a group. There is a bond. There are memories. There is ventures. There is working together. It's, it's an amazing thing. Then what, what happens over time, if the church is a biblical church, if a church is a biblical church, and you want to know what that is, look in the book of Acts. They are preaching, they are seeing people saved, and they're seeing people baptized and added to the church. That's what happens. Guess what's going to happen if they're preaching, seeing people saved, baptized, and added to the church? It's going to keep happening. And I've had people say, well, I don't know. I just think that there's, you know, a lot of people in, in our, our, the number of our adults has grown a, a, a lot. And I, I, I almost showed you the numbers of all those things, but there's, there's more adults, okay? And, and overall in the, just the percentage, and I think that's great of what God has given us, but with a lot of adults comes a lot of needs and different needs than we've ever had before. I'm talking about needs of people that walk through the door that don't know how to be consistent. I read a statistic that just said that the average person that is faithful, that check off a box and say that they are faithful to the church, goes twice a month. Twice a month. I'm not saying Sunday school morning worship. I'm saying twice a month. That is the faithfulness of this generation. Now I'm going to ask you guys a question. What is going to change that? Because we can sit there all day long and sit on the pier and say, world's going falling apart and something needs to change. Well, guess what? I'm determined to do something about it. I am absolutely inspired, driven, focused to do something about it. I do not want to be a pastor that just says that there are problems or something needs to change or we need to whatever. Yes, difficult times are not coming. Difficult times are here. The world has changed. Go outside. It's not a Christian nation. Watch the news. Not a Christian nation. Step into our schools. Not a Christian nation. Step into our government. No longer Christian. Actually, it's the opposite. Those things are all boycotted now. We're radical weirdos if we say and stand for these things whatsoever. People say to me things like, did you know so-and-so has been missing through for three weeks People say, can so-and-so be picked up from the hospital or somebody needs help watching their kids or can we get somebody to make meals for them or so-and-so is not being properly cared for and, and, and things like that and people that need help moving and uh, there's times of hardship and funerals and, and people that just lose their job and outright depressed and, you know, and most people have a plan and the plan is call the church and just say, hey, is there somebody that can... And I mean, that's great, but even then the connection is even not there to even throw people in the right spots fast enough to meet the needs. And you know what happens to all the people? They stand there and just say, nobody noticed that I was gone. Nobody was there. They called me when I first had surgery, but two weeks later I was left in the dark and da, 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 all these other things that happen. And it does bother me. I was with the priors this morning in the hallway and it's a cool thing that happened. Um, they had this uh, 
gathering of people around them. That's how I even first found out that was something was going on, that they, they, they lost the, the loved one. And they had people loving on them. I loved it. And here's what I heard from the church people that were out there. We're helping you pull up your car. I'm going to grab your kids. I'm da 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 And it's just like, it's like, whoo. I stood back and I was like, this is awesome. You, you know what I saw? I saw people being cared for the way that God intended for people to be cared for. Because if we're symbols and representation of God's love, then there's not a soul that walks in here should ever walk out of here feeling wounded, forgotten, or overlooked. You guys get that? Nobody in the church should ever feel wounded, neglected, or overlooked. There's got to be care. There's got to be care. But I'll tell you another thing that bothers me, and I'm, I'm pointing the fingers at me. Another thing that I think that there's got to be more of is not just care, but there's got to be discipleship. Because I'm going to tell you right now, biblically speaking, discipleship is the core of the Gospels. And I'm not saying that the Gospel is not the core of the Gospels. I'm not saying that, okay? The good news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. But I'm going to say to you guys this. Making disciples is what Jesus came to do. Making disciples was what he came to do. And I'm going to go back to this, and this is where I'm just being really transparent. What I am finding is there's a lot of people that have a lot of questions that they don't know how to figure out the questions. And their questions are not being answered in church. And they're struggling, and they get to the point of being frustrated to the point where they don't want to come back. Let me put it like this, and you're saying, I don't get this. As a parent... How do I discipline my kids? As a parent of a teenager, where do you draw the line? You say, well, those are great questions. You tell me how in the world I'm going to answer all those from the pulpit in Fellowship Baptist Church. It's impossible. I I could not. There's just no way to get into the life application of every need of every person that sits around the room of a church. You know, we have a lot of people that are raising kids and you sit there and say, man, if that was my child, man, when I was, when I had kids like that, I'd bend them over my knee and I'd give them good, you know, and everybody has, okay, what you did, that's great. Are you trying to help anybody raise their kids to turn out right? Are you just sitting there telling them what they should be doing? And usually you're telling them in your head in that part anyways. You're not even telling them. People that come in, they have no idea about marriage. You guys, you realize they come out of parents that weren't in church and didn't have any godly foundation. They walk in the church and they see everybody else that has it together. They walk out to the car and all they do is argue with their spouse all the way home. And they don't have anybody in the world to know who in the world you say, how do you settle a disagreement with your spouse? And you know what we tell them? Well, you just need to keep in church. Well, that sounds good, but I tell you, unless they come in and say, I needed help with my relationship, and the guy preached on demons last Sunday. I mean, that's, that's the reality. I, I missed it altogether. I, I totally missed it. And I'm telling you, I feel like sometimes we're trying to fill up the bathtub, and we, decide, we, we forgot to put the cork in the bottom of it. Because I can tell you this, and I'm being honest. It's from the heart of Pastor Tony, right? Here, here it is. I know some people that used to sit there that not, are not coming anymore. I'm not just saying that. I, I literally know that. There's a spot over here on Sunday morning that I noticed that there used to be a couple that are there. 
Does anybody want to tell me where they're at? Is that okay? Is anybody else okay with that? I'm not okay with that. There's a lot of empty seats. I'm going to ask you right now, how am I supposed to keep up with that? How are any of us supposed to keep up with that? So you know what it is? People come back to me and said, the church is just getting too big. So I, I, I've got the answer to that. I'm going to get up on Sunday morning. So we have, we have room for two at the altar this morning. You better be the first two down here and we're cutting this thing off. That's it. I've got two. I've got one right there. Two people are running. You better make it, you know. I, I'm not going to do that. This morning, this morning, I'm in Connecting Point. A lady comes in, stands with me next to her daughter. I said, how long have you been coming? She said, we've been coming. Oh, honey, when was Bible school? She said, mommy, it was back in June, since June. I said, really? She said, my daughter came and really came back different from Bible school. She begged me to come on Sunday, and we've not stopped coming since. She said, Pastor Tony, I don't know what this means, but I got resaved. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to tell you. And I love it when people don't know what to say. It's okay that they don't know what to say. We're so churchy. I, I correct her. I said, ma'am, you rededicated your life is what you did. You need to get your language right. You know, I, I, I didn't do that. I, I just said that, okay, you got resaved. That's great. And she said, now we need to do that baptism thing. I was like, well, let's do the baptism thing. They don't know. They don't know, and I got to explain to them baptism and all that. Guys, I'm not going to stop doing that. Amen. I'm going to do that till Jesus comes. And God has blessed us with, with different avenues and different reaches in our community, and God keeps blessing us with the ability to do that. But I'm telling you, after they get here, there's more to success of a church than saying how many people got saved. Because God never just said, fill the altars and check off cards. God never said there's a bulletin and, and on the back corner of I want you to have decisions where we say, praise God, amen. Where are they and what are they doing for God? How do they know what to do? How do they know how to live life? Live life. Let me, uh, let me tell you how I learned how to live life and I was blessed. I was able to ask questions. I asked my mom and dad and I witnessed it and I saw it, but not everybody has that. We are familiar with things about Jesus teaching on the mount. He gathered the people and he gathered the crowd together and he taught them and there was no interaction. The people sat and they listened to him. But let me show you this. Jesus did this a lot. Let, let me, this is so cool. In Luke chapter 11, let me show you what Jesus did. Luke chapter 11 verse 1 and we'll put it up on the screen. And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciple. And he said to them, when, when you pray, say our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Did you guys just get a, get a catch the glimpse of what was going on in this passage? Okay, here they're sitting around. And one of them says, I, I've, got a pro, I've got a question. How do you pray like that? I'm serious. How, how do you pray like that? And Jesus said, he was, Jesus was sitting over here. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. They taught him. John 14, 1 through 6, Jesus is teaching them about heaven and him's coming and things like that. 
Thomas raised his hand. I don't know if he raised his hand, but God, his attention said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said back to Thomas that was sitting in that room, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, Thomas, but by me. Do you see, there was something that Jesus did. And by the way, these men that I gave you the example of how to pray and Lord, teach me about heaven and teach me about salvation and teach me about life and teach me about who sinned the greatest. Was it him or the Father? Neither of them sinned. And and there's all these teachings that went on. Why? Because Jesus was doing what? He was making disciples. Oh, read, read Acts chapter 17. See how that turned out. Who are these Christians that are turning the world upside down? You know what we're doing? We're no longer turning the world upside down. I'm just being flat out honest. We are no longer turning the world upside down. Satan and all the gates of hell and all the trash that he has is flipping the world upside down. We have families that don't know what's right and wrong. They don't, they're spinning in circles. They have no foundation. They're confused. They don't know how to talk to their kids. They don't know how to discipline. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to budget. They don't know how to get out of drugs. They don't know how to quit smoking. They don't know how to deal with the issues that are coming in from their own families. They don't know. You know what we teach them to do? Come to church. Come to church. Come to church. Sit there. Listen. Stand. Worship. And they walk out. Okay. And they walk out and argue again. It's just Jethro had this issue. He was frustrated. You know, Moses had the issue and he went to Jethro and Jethro told him to divide the crowd down and he said have overseers over there. Divide them and put leaders over them. Moses was still the leader but he had leaders over them. People have asked me even with the groups of things like we're doing and you guys know that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's on my heart and people have this thing that, that why? Why? Because we have issues that we're not fixing. We have things that we're not doing. And I promise you, I can show you Bible over and over and over and over and over and over again. Where God said, make disciples. And God said, care for one another. And God said, iron sharpens iron. And God says, forsake not the assembling of yourself. Why? For exhorting one another, which is prayer and edification and comfort and those things. It's straight in the Bible. It's what he said. And I just feel like if we're having these issues and the church stops growing, the church stops making disciples and the church stops doing all these things, whose fault is it? Is it it that God has failed us or are we just not doing what we should be doing? People have asked me if we have even enough people that could lead groups if we're doing things like this. How many of you, just curious, I'm going to throw... How many of you have been saved more than 10 years? Guys, look around the room. Look around the room. Saved, saved for 10 years. How about saved for more than 20 years? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think we're okay. It's not a matter of people. It's a matter of people doing what God said. Too much is given. Much shall be required. You are, my, you are my disciples if you do what I've commanded you to do. Not if you know it. If you do it. To make disciples and raise them up to do what God has called us to do and do those things to follow after His way. 
All right. My vision is just to have people. That, that's it. That's it. I, I'd love to see everybody in the preaching of God's word. And I mean everybody under the preaching of God's word. I was saved under the preaching of God's word. There is absolutely no substitute for the preaching of God's word. You guys get that? When Jesus preached, people were changed. When Paul and Silas preached, people would change. The proclaiming of God's word, there is no substitute for it. I believe in teaching. I believe in discipleship. I'm not trying to cut anything out. I want a well-balanced diet. I want my steak. I want my potatoes. And I want my dessert. I want it all. That's what I'm saying. And I think for some people that we've got this idea that we can just eat all the steak and leave out the vegetables. But God had this full plan of the preaching of God's word. So let me throw out something at you. Uh, some of you guys have already heard this, but I'm going I'm to tell you, this is, this is my opportunity to share my heart. And I've already gone over my time. I want Fellowship Baptist Church to have the vision to go to two morning services. Because I want every person that is involved in Fellowship Baptist Church to be able to go to church every Sunday morning. Because right now, do you know what? We have the dilemma. We need you in junior church. We need you in nursery. We need you in the parking lot. We need you doing security. We need you walking the halls. We need you doing all these things. Does that mean I'd have to give up going to church? Yes. Yes. You know what it is? I need that. I'm in difficult times. I am struggling in my marriage. I am struggling at home. I look forward to the service and now I've got nursery workers that are saying, we need more help. We have bus worker. I need more help. We, we've got people working all over. We need more help. You know what has happened is, is if, we, if I, I'm prioritizing and I'm thinking if we had two morning services and we had classes during both, not, not eliminating classes or the teaching of God's word, but have that in both. And yes, I have a vision to where everybody is able to be part of a group. And I've had people that say, we don't need the groups. Let me tell you why people would say that I don't need a group. Because most of the things you accomplish in the group you've already had in your life and you don't see the need anymore. You've already been discipled. You've already got people around you that notice when you're gone. You've got a 20, 30, 40, 50 year heritage of people that know you, know your face, know where you sit, know when you're gone, know when you're here. You have people that are going to ask you to go eat afterwards. You have people that you can call when you're going through a difficult time. And you have people that when you're going through a difficult time are going to go out of their way to pray with you. And then you say, I don't see the need. Because you've already got it. But I'm looking at a generation that doesn't. And by the way, if you say you've already got it, then, hey, you better be giving it. Because God didn't just hook you up to sit on it. It's a matter of making disciples that are going to make disciples that are going to make disciples. So if God does tarry his coming, and I don't believe it's going to be long, that the church still keeps going because we made disciples. We didn't just fill chairs and pews. That's from the heart of Pastor Tony. And so, yes, I, I, would, I would love to see us do that. That's, that's a vision that I have. I have no time frame. I have no time. I, I don't even know. I've, I've, I've tried to set it up so many times. But I know we need to get to a certain place because our junior churches and our Sunday school and things need to be built up and strong enough to handle the transition to be able to do too. 
But when we do, I want people to go to one and serve in the other. And I want people to serve in the next one. And they take team. And they hit each other in the, not hit each other in the hall, but, you know, the high five each other in the hall. And they go sit with their spouse. And they sit with their kids. And they hear the word of God. And they're able to get everything that we're getting. And, and I, it's just something because schedules in this world is crazy. It's crazy. I, just, I love Wednesday night Bible study. I love the classes on Sunday. I love the preaching of God's word. I just want more of it. For anybody that say that I'm trying to cut it out, you walk out of here and say, he's not trying to cut it out. He's adding to it. Because I believe in the preaching of the word of God. My thing is, I'm just, I'm just craving and desiring to add to the church the things that are missing without taxing everybody. That's why I believe with these things that we're doing, we're offering on some on Wednesday because they serve on Sunday or they serve Sunday night or they serve in Sunday school or whatever. And we're trying to figure out how can we strategize to obey God. Just remember when you see it. To obey God and making disciples and caring for one another and training people to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ that do the right things and still go to church and serve the Lord. I want it all. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're figuring out that we have service in the evening for right now where we're at. And right now we're going to offer classes because some of them are going to do that. And some of them go to class on Sunday morning and some of them go on Wednesday nights and some of them work in a one on Wednesday nights. And I don't want them working on Sunday morning if they skip Wednesday night. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure it all out that everybody can get everything that they need. And nobody walks out of here feeling like they clocked in the work rather than going to church. Because if we did and we're not edifying the body of Christ and leading people to that, then we've not, we've not done our job as the church. And just so you know, that falls on my shoulders. Because I am to lead the church to do the biblical right thing. I had a whole lot more to say. And I'm just going to have to shift and things like that. But guys, I, I really want to say, and I think in order to to just have the healthy church, we've got, to, we've got to put the plug back in the tub and figure out that we're losing people because they're not cared for, they're not discipled, they're not being taught. They're not able to be the Thomas that raise their hand to ask the questions about simple everyday life. And guys, just to, to structure the church, to have the organization of it, I believe that God will bless it. And if God added another hundred people to our church right now, I believe that God would say this, Tony, you're not caring for the people now. I'm just being honest. The people aren't being called, cared for now. And if you think the answer to that is just call the office and, and it's not going to work. You, you realize that it just can't work. And we added a pastor that starts tomorrow. And I believe that that was a healthy move. As a pastor, I'm telling you, a healthy move. To, to have somebody that oversees our children and our families like Pastor Dave does. And somebody that oversees our, our, kid, our, our teens like Pastor uh, Michael is going to be doing. And people that are going to oversee the adults. We had 500 and some adults this morning. 500 and some adults this morning. So we are the pastor. You, you just, if I receive one phone call or one text a week from, from half of them, it's impossible. Impossible. Funerals, weddings, counseling, all that other stuff. So God blesses to spread out the work to do it effectively and minister to people effectively. I just want to put everything in place now. Because I really want and desire greater things for Fellowship Baptist Church.